Blog Talk Radio. Now, you're probably wondering why I let the music play so long today. Well, that is I Want Your Number by Patent Leather, and they will be coming out with their album shortly. We will be talking about that in a couple of weeks. And without further ado, we have an amazing show today. We are talking about the music industry completely, totally, 100%. You will learn so many things on today's show. So what I suggest you do, get out your pen and paper, whether you're listening to us live or if you choose to listen to us archived later, you are going to get a lot out of this show. Why are we doing this show? Because the music industry is trying to come back. There are so many derivatives in this industry in a way to generate income, whether on the business side or the creative side or the in-between side where you might be creative and business, which might mean marketing, social media, uh, varying areas like that. And today, who we're going to have on our show today is going to be Mr. Finestro, also known as Phineas Robinaire. And of course, without further ado, I'm going to bring on Jay Logan, who's on with us. We're going to bring on Phineas Robert, also known as Finestro, shortly. But for right now, let's start our show with Mr. Jay Logan. Hello, Jay. Hello. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. Everything is wonderful, and it's great to be on the show again. Let's do this thing because it's going to be a rocking show today. It is. You know, Jay, I'm really looking forward to that today because it allows us to share people with people our expertise. It allows Finestro to share with his expertise. You know, we are all have been working on a project together, and it, it's, it's a new opportunity. You know, it's a new opportunity for people who are coming in the music industry to really learn. When I say 101, I mean this is going to be a day of 101. All right, and I really want people to get a real sense of, you know, um, what's possible, and you know what they, what what's going on in the industry now that they really need to be aware of and take a look at. You know, I had to take a few seconds to really think about that because, you know, there is a lot that's happening in, in the music industry today. I mean, there's a lot going on from Justin Timberlake to older artists coming in, newer artists coming in. You know, um, fans have a lot to choose from. Some people are wanting to go back to vinyl, Jay. You know, some people are going back to CDs, believe it or not. You know, we have subscription. We have the cloud. I mean, it's so much going on, so many ways artists are touring, everything. Beyonce has, you know, reinvented herself, and, you know, there's like a, a semi-war going on, and then we've got the global side of the industry. There's just so many things. So, you know, it's an opportunity for all of us to really connect around that and really take a look at, you know, the industry as a whole. What are your thoughts, Jay? Yes, it's just amazing how uh, the music industry has evolved, um, even before the phonograph, you know, the the ways that you can get paid. It's, it's very fascinating. It is, it's very it's very fascinating and the most financial, lucrative area where people can make money in the music business. And, you know, they can make money through publishing and performing and getting out there and really doing their thing. So we're going to talk about all that great stuff, how you can generate 
money in this business and really be a powerhouse. Um, I think this is going to be a beautiful show, and I really want to get get into it because uh, I'm excited today. Oh, wow. Okay, that sounds great. All right, so let's get started. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Are you sure, Jay? I, I don't think you're ready. Well, I, I, I am very ready. You know, I want. I want to start. I really want to start off, Gail. Just want, I just want to start off with one thing, um, and so people will know how this all started. Um, you know, well, before, before the adventures. Before, hmm? before we do that, I think we should at least bring Mr. Finestro in, don't you? Oh, man. Okay, you'll tell you, man. Uh, <laughs> all right, and, and, then, and then you can go. You can go into it. You know what I mean? But at least, at least bring him in. Okay, Gail. Hey, Mr. Okay, Mr. Finestro, I brought you in. Hello. You know, Mr. J here has a, he, he has an announcement that he wants to make to the audience, so we need to give him just a few minutes to do that. Do you have the time for that, Mr. Finestro? Yeah, I have the time right now. <laughs> okay. Well, so, Mr. So J, Mr. Finestro and I are giving you the floor. Okay, sir? Okay. Um. As you might know, as you might not know, uh, the music publishing and publishers, uh, before the invention of the record, uh, songwriters, they earned income. They, they, actually, they actually earned income by relying on music publishers to sell sheet music. So actually, Finesto sheet music uh, was the radio, pretty much, because they didn't have ah. radio stations. So when the radio and television Started, it replaced the sheet music and kind of replaced the piano parlor. Because everybody used to, the radio used to be the piano roll. They used to be on the playing piano. And that was the actual, that was the actual uh, radio station, the player piano. I don't know if you, that's kind of before your time, Finestro. Um, so Actually, Jay, I hate to tell you this. This was before my time, too. So I think you're kind of, you're kind of outdating Finestro and I. For the audience members, uh, Jay is like about 120 years old. We just wanted to let you guys know that's nowhere near where Finestro and I are. But, you know, go ahead, Jay. <laughs> well, the, the publishers, they continue, to play, they continue to play an important role, you know, for singers to, you know, to rely on and establish songwriters to provide material. However, the event, the event of rock and roll, especially the Beatles, a lot of these songwriters started writing their own songs. So that kind of took away kind of the jobs of the publishers because now these songwriters uh, were in the band and it took away, you know, a lot of things. But nevertheless, music publishers, they continue to serve important functions. And, and what they did was basically that they established a lot of the administrating copyright as far as licensing songs, um, to recording companies, to collect royalties on behalf of the songwriters. And some of the more important music publishers' activities are pretty much uh, to go out and sell your songs to different artists and stuff. So I wanted to start it off like that, kind of how this whole publishing thing started and where it is today. So I'm going to leave it there, and we're going to go more into it, because Dale a lot of times want me to kind of not give it all away. And for next today, you can't give it all away at once, so we can keep our, our beautiful listening audience interested. <laughs> So I'm, I'm done with the history right there, so you people can kind of know how this publishing thing started and how these, you know, before there was the Internet and all these new inventions. And they all stated to me today there's new rules now and new things that they do now. 
So I kind of started it off like that because uh, it started off with the player piano, and that's where the spell of sheet music, and that's where the publishing kind of started. So now, bring yeah. it up to 2013. What do you think about that, Vanessa? Well, before, well, okay, that's, before gentlemen, that's, gentlemen, before we let you have the floor. Sorry, Vanestro, but before we skip to the publishing, we're gonna like actually start here. You know, people are hearing publishing, guys. We're sorry. You know, the two men here—they're just a little old here. You know, they want to go back in the day, and you know, Finestro's just you know giving Jay the the floor, and he's letting Jay get away with you know talking about the age thing here. So, um, guys, we're gonna start out with you know what it is to be an artist, what it is to be a producer, you know, what it is to get started, you know, in this industry. And so let's start there. Let's start at the nuts and bolts so people have an idea, you know, what the industry is about, how we got started and all of that. So, Finestro, can you tell people, you know, like how, what, how you got started, not how you got started in this industry, but, you know, when did you, what did you do as your first steps in getting involved in this industry and, and what were your first steps, you know, in whether it was a producer, an artist, or whatever? Like, what was your first step? Um, when I started in this industry, it's how what was my first step. Um, just like Jay, I was a musician. You know, I played for artists, and I was in process with the band and the music, other musicians and the producers and the managers. So I was involved in that area first before I got got into more into the music production. And that opened a lot of doors because when you are playing live or touring, that opened a lot more doors to work with producers and and um, other artists and managers. And eventually you meet people to connect you with in other areas, you know. So I started in the music route, like as a musician. I play guitar. So that's how okay. I started and, I mean, what was your first step, you know, when you started? When did you realize, you know, I want to do more than just play guitar and, you know, play in, with other artists? When did you realize you wanted to expand, or was it just a natural expansion? Um, it started when, actually, back in college, when I was at Liberty, I played for a gospel group. We used to do tours in the Northeast from New York all the way down to South Carolina, Mississippi, Tennessee, and I realized I wanted to get more into it because there was so much diversity, and I love diversity. Being from New York, I love the fact that the music that we did, even though it was gospel, we integrated rock and roll. We integrated Spanish, Latin, you know, Caribbean feel to our sound. So I was like, you know what? I like the integration of music eclecticism. Is that, is that a word? The unifying the unifying genres in one genre. I love that. So being involved in that with different people with the same goal to, you know, expand and, and travel and and reach out to people, I realized how great it was to be in the music aspect to it. So it just kinda made me curious. Hmm, I wonder how it is to be behind the controller engineering. So Again, as a musician, I used to go to these studio sessions and ask the producers questions. I used to pick on the brain of the engineers, and they were very cool, and they showed me a lot of things. I didn't physically start producing. It's just asking the right questions and and being around them. Again, like last time I said, I'm a sponge. I like to learn. You know? So just asking the questions of the people around you. 
Okay. Well, Jay, what about you? How did you know? How did you get started? And I mean, like, what was your first step when you first stepped into this industry? Well, actually, my daddy, my dad threw me into the industry when I was three, and we lived in Greenwich Village in New York City. And so I would go with him to a place called the Village Vanguard, and I would sit there and one day just threw me on stage and put a trumpet in my mouth and said, play, boy. And I got on stage and I played, and ever since then I've just been in playing as a musician, kind of how, how Finesco said and so we moved from New York, and uh, which I love New York because the musicians there are just the greatest musicians in the world. Uh, no pun against California. I'm just saying the musicians are bred in New York City. They have the best music there and the greatest musicians, and the, the culture is just set for breeding great musicians, uh, not, you know, all of them. And so I came out here, and actually when I got out here, Gail, um, I was ahead of some of the musicians here, so I start I started my own band, and I kept playing and I kept playing and I kept playing. But I, my dad made records, and I was wondering I was wondering for that's true. Well, why none of these musicians out here want to make records? They just want to play. So I kept saying, we need to be making records. We need to be making records. And the guys, why? We just want to be great players. And so eventually, I said I started writing songs, and that's basically how it's kind of started. I don't want to give everything away, but that's how it kind of started. Well, it's, it's funny. Um, um, I, I got my start in a different, a little bit of a different way. So, um, you know, my background is I grew up in, in Manhattan, okay, and I grew up also like in the Bronx on the borderline of Westchester. And so, growing up, I heard music in my family all the time. And you know, my mother wanted to sing, but you know, academics, as you know, in, in, in the family, comes first. And the same thing with me. But I think the great thing that we, ha- my brother and I had and my mom was that she really believed in honing the talent that you had and that you wanted to take forward. She was always behind us in everything we did. And, you know, I, when I was first started growing up, I would look at my mom, and she was a legal secretary, and I, I said, I want to be just like her and, I, and, and put myself through college, and I did do that. And, but I noticed that I loved the beat of music. There was something about music, and I would go as a high school student and go listen to some of the biggest greats, go play in this uh, this place at the time that was around, and I would listen to them. And I would just sneak in as a kid, and I, w- I would understand the beats, and I understood good talent, and I understood good voices, and I understood, you know, that the, the voice, the places that you, when you should sing from your chest area, when you should sing from, you know, um, what they say is a chakra, the, the lower chakra uh, there, the sacral chakra. I understood that, you know, right under the stomach where or when it should just come from the base, excuse me, expression of your rear end to sing. You know, I understood that at an early age, and I remember sitting watching Gladys Knight. I was a, a really small kid. I didn't even know who Gladys Knight was at the time. I didn't even realize that I was seeing all these greats. And they would come in and say, why don't you sit here? And, you know, they would see me peeking, and they would come over and tell me to come on over. And I just remember listening to my mother talk about B.B. King and all these guys. And, you know, I, I would then see these guys in person. You know, they were still, like, way old at that time. But um, I never knew that I would come later on. I managed a young lady who uh, was her mother who would then go on to tour with Gladys for about five or six years. And I introduced that young lady to Gladys Knight. And then I worked for NBC. And then I was just always around these amazing artists. And I got to work 
and, you know, mentored a little bit by Quincy Jones. And, you know, I found myself in places that I didn't understand how I was there. And I had a regular full-time job. I was in college and everything. But I always had this pulling to be in the music industry and not not because of the celebrity-based stuff, but I had this gift for understanding music, understanding talent, understanding voices, understanding the marketing and the business side. And I just found myself enthralled in it, and I was always doing some project. And because I had a full-time job, I didn't care about doing it for free because, you know, I was young and, you know, I had my own place and I was just doing my own thing. But it started as early as 18 years old, and it was somebody from a radio station that saw me, and I said, I have these ideas. You should do this, that, and the other. And his name was Vaughn Harper from WBLS. I will never forget that. And it was when Diddy had done his CD, his uh, City College, when um, Sean Coombs had done his first gig at, uh, at um, City College. And I was like, wow. And he said, come on down, just give us your ideas. So I was just open. And from then on, I went to work with um, Kenya Love, uh, Gladys Knight's daughter, and I went on to be mentored by Barry White. I went on to be mentored by Renee Angelil at times, uh, Celine Dion's husband who managed her. And, you know, I could go on. I mean, it's not about name dropping, but I found myself in those places. I found myself working for NBC that created Hulu. So I was always at the right place at the right time. And, you know, it's just been a blessing since then, creating new projects, working with artists on not only their talent, but other things that they wanted to do outside of their talent to give back to other artists or give back to other places around, you know, around the world. So um, that's how I got started. And, um, and I was a writer, too, and I still write. So th- that's, you know, my understanding of everything and also understanding all the ins and outs in the different parts of the industry uh, and still learning at times, even at this stage. So, you know, so from that, you know, I really want to get into the next point. And, you know, Finesco and Jay, if that's okay with you, I really want to get into where we just have an open, open dialogue, you know, and um, start talking about, what this industry is like, what people can learn, and things like that. And I really want to start, Finestro and Jay, I really want to start with the artist, you know, because, Finestro, you play, you play for artists, and Jay, yeah. you're a producer for artists, and, Finestro, you're also a producer, a videographer, and Jay is, you know, a band player as well. He has a band and all of those things. And then I've come from the business side, and I've written as well. But I want to see if we can all put that together and just give, like, a lesson 101. Are you guys down for that? Yes, yes. And what about you, Finestra? You think you, you think you can hang with us, Finestra? Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to start off with, you know, artists, okay? You know, Finestra, when you hear the word artist, what comes to you about a music artist first coming into the game? Sensitive. <laughs> sensitive. It comes to my head. I'm being. You told. You told me to be honest. Um, sensitive comes to my head. Um, I don't know why, but that's the first thing that comes to my head. Sensitive. And uh, because artists are very vulnerable, they they pour their guts, whether it's painting or or producing music that's that's really relative to them. You know. Um, not keeping in mind that the business aspect, they just create and express themselves in every aspect. That's what comes to my head. Hmm. Jay, what about you? Um, 
artist, uh, when you say the word artist to me, it becomes a creative entity, a person that's very creative and writes music for the time, for to stay for eternity. And a lot of artists, they, if the real artists, they're not the ones that you usually see that's been overexposed. They're the ones that really don't have a lot of money. They're not uh, famous as they could be, but what they do, yeah. they have the heart to write music that stays here for endless time. So when I see a, when I see the artist, I see a Picasso, I see a Rembrandt, I see somebody who's writing some music that's going to be here forever. Not the artist that you see that's been overexposed and promoted. And a lot of these artists now, they're not, you know, they make they're there for this one time and they're gone tomorrow here today. Artist is something that's going to be here forever. Um, Miles Davis, um, uh, you know, Cab Calloway, um, just an artist, you know, something that's going to stay. Michael, something's going to stay here forever, and their works will be here forever. Vanessa, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. They're very creative, um, and that's why that stems from their sensitivity. That's why when I mentioned that, um, they stem all these influences they have from their experiences, and they they pour it out into a form of music, art, or science. Like, I consider people who, anybody who can create something from their gifts and talents or abilities that that is expressed, which is an expression of communicating, whether it's visually or, or audio or, like, physical, like a building or an actual piece of work that people can look at and really create a message or an image or an idea to influence people, you know? They're very powerful. Artists are Got very it. powerful. They're, a lot of them don't know how powerful they are. You know? Yeah, and I'm, and, and that, that segues what you and Jay just said right into, I'm going to, you know, share some things that I think, and this is going to get us, I know, into a real conversation now. So, you know, when you first come into this industry, you know, when I've worked with artists, I always look at who who they are, as people, who they are personally, not just, you know, the artist and its music. That's an extension of who they are. That's an extension that they put themselves into their music, their experiences, the ups and downs that they've been through, what they're going through, you know, what life is for, what life is like for them, you know. And, um, you know, before we go further, we have someone here on the line, and uh, I think it's only fair that we bring them on. Hello, Paula, would you say your name and your name you're from? And any questions that you may have? Caller, you're from Florida. Okay, so we'll leave them there. So, you know, one of the things that come up when an artist first comes in here is that there is something that they want to express out to the public, and they want to just let it out. Okay, and it's something they want to express and let other people know what they're going through so that they can also relate to the same. Unfortunately, what happens a lot is the artists get so caught up in that and they forget that there's a, they're in getting involved in that. They can either just release their music and let people hear it if they don't want to get paid for it, okay? But if they're coming in this industry to get paid for it, you know, most often time they step in and say, here's my music and I want a music deal. I want a record deal. They forget all the in-betweens that come with it. And especially in this day and age now, when you have the Internet and you have people that you can go to and say, you know what, I need help. 
You can get your family. You can get your friends and say whatever. And say whatever, whatever time you can give. You know, I I need help with you know my social media. Look, I need help with getting my demo together. And what a demo is for everyone out there who doesn't know is that that artist has uh, some music they put together with. If they're a singer or a songwriter, they put their music together with the producer who creates the track, which is the instrumental track that you hear the words again. And they, they go to that and it's like, okay, I need some help to get my demo done. So most of the time they're, they're moving and they're grooving and navigating the waters of the industry so that they can meet people to get their demo done. And then they forget, oh, I need a manager. So all they're like is, I got a record deal, I got a record deal, I'm going to make a lot of money. And they forget that the, the record company is also a business, so therefore anything the record company gives to the artist, they want to recoup later on top of the earnings of the artist. And I'll say that again. Whatever you get a record deal, and you say, I just want a record deal, and you go in there without a lawyer or a manager, that's the other thing you need, by the way, if you're an artist, is you just say, I want a record deal, and you want to just stick with your artistry. And what I want to say to you as an artist is you are a creative entity, but as an entity, you are also a business. You function as a business. Your creativity is a business. You deserve to be paid for what everyone else around the world is listening to. Now, if you want to go in your closet and make music and just people listen, you know, you're getting paid enough on your day job, that's great. But for someone who wants just to make this their life, and most of the time their artistry is their life, you have to realize it comes with not just getting a record deal. You may in these days and age have to have your own demo, put your own music up online, so the record label, small, medium, or large, will recognize you. And then seek out a manager, you know, maybe someone to start with. And then seek out some friends that will help you keep the momentum going about your music. So I'm going to stop there because I know that you two have some things to say. So Jay and uh, Jay and uh, and uh, Finestro, let it rip. Well, I'm I'm very excited about a, a piece of product that came out uh, this week, and it's really it really has infused the music uh, business. Uh, Mr. JT and Justin Timberlake yeah. has released. Yeah. He has released the CD, and the last time we heard of him, he had a sexy back, and we haven't heard from him. He's been in movies and doing other stuff. But, you know, I thought this thing was projected to sell 500,000 units in uh, by Wednesday. But I noticed that by Friday, the projections were 600. By Saturday, they were 750. By Sunday, there were nine, it was the projections of 975,000 units. We haven't had a product like this to hit the music business in years. I think Taylor Swift had a great album last year, but this is incredible. He might be one of the first guys to have a million-seller product by this Wednesday. Billboard will announce this by the, yeah by tomorrow. So I'm waiting by for tomorrow. tomorrow to see. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Billboard to tell me what 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 has happened because we haven't seen this, you know, in quite a while. And usually these things start off slow, and he hasn't even did his tour yet. <laughs> Not even yet. He only did shows. Yes, and he only did and shows. Exactly. And you know what, Jay and, and Finestra, what's interesting is he hasn't done that much publicity on it either. Yes. No, he hasn't. He's <laughs> like Saturday Night Live and the Jimmy Fallon show, or what's his name show. It's like, but that's the thing. He, they integrated him in the show, and Jimmy Fallon had uh, has a lot of push because of the roots is on there and social media, so... That's probably all you need. And then, of course, Jay-Z is on the track, so that's even bigger. So I don't think it was even necessary for the push it because in itself it was so big in its own in terms of how the direction of the record is. 
and it just happens to sell itself, you know? Well, here's my question to both of you gentlemen, okay? We're all experts here in, in one way or other, and we cross over. My question to you and Jay is, how do, you, how do we take the success of a Justin Timberlake on this album here and break it down to someone just coming in the industry that they too can have the same success? And, and success is different for each person, so let's get that straight right now, okay? Yeah. But I want to ask you guys, and so I'll, I'll, I'll come out with the first one. I think that when you take an artist like Jay-Z, so let's say you're not a Jay-Z and you're not a Justin Timberlake, but you are in, you're here and you are into, heavily into electronic or pop music, okay? And then you take somebody from the R&B side and you combine it. You've got a hit right there, even if it's just locally to start out with. Which are t- and so that's just one place you guys can go. And you can create your own creativity and find someone that works well and connects with what you're doing. What do you guys think? You want to go with Jay first? Jay, you want to answer that? Um, I think that is a great formula. If you, like you said, you could do it on a local scale. I mean, you, you, you can't start off as Justin Timberlake because he already was a brand. But if you're not a brand yeah. and you're trying to do this yourself, um, you need to put together a fan base, a grassroots situation where you can take some of the local people and have them work along with you and not have a, you know, a lot of these people locally, in, well, out here locally, they have these little chips on their shoulders and they don't want to work together. Poses in some parts of the country, um, New York, uh, people tend to work a little bit better together. But out here, you know, it's a little different. Everybody thinks they're a star, so nobody can't really get together. But you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to get together with some of the other local acts and put together a yeah. team. And it, it, takes, it takes a village to push these acts from nowhere to somewhere. So if you get a couple of little local rap guys to, to work along with you on your record, yeah, or you get some other artists, it doesn't have to be rap. It could be some folk singers. There's some other people who have who have a following that can help you establish yourself and put your following with their following. Do some little local con- uh, concerts. Do some college, some of the local college stuff. You know, get into some of the college. Hey, donate some of the money back to the college that you're doing. It doesn't have to be the biggest university. Maybe some of the junior colleges. Or, you know, even in the South, just do a little college thing and get the people involved. And do some free shows and, 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 and get some children involved. Just make it a big thing to where everybody feels that they're part of what you're doing so they can love you and love your music and love what you're doing. Because a lot of times people love the person that's up there. They might not even like the song, but they just like you. (laughs) So you get the people spreading that good good rumors about you and everybody's talking about you. Then you get the eye of the industry. You get the eye of the local radio stations. You get the eye of Clear Channel. You get the eyes looking at you. You got to get those other eyes looking at you so they start adding and giving you the opportunity to play your music. If you don't have uh, a deal like Miguel or if you don't have a deal like Frank Ocean, you got to have to do it that way, the grassroots way. Get yourself out there. Well, what do you think about that? I agree with Dre, and I also realized to add to that, um, there's like several ways that I've, I I divide online how people make it big. Yes, the, that's one way, the grassroots way, pretty much. Like Justin Tableck, for example, I think the reason why he also got bigger is because he did acting. He did acting, and people didn't realize he's a Disney house club. Britney Spears and all the rest of them, they all started from Disney. So they have a following based on everything they did before. Even if you didn't start in Disney, there's another way people gotten big. 
like people like um, Bruno Mars or Jeff Frank Ocean, those guys were songwriters or Dream. They started and gotten bigger because they actually helped other artists be successful by writing their songs. That's another way you could get big. Another way people also got big, also, if you're a model or if you're a, a figure in basketball or if you're, like, behind the scenes photographer whoever, if you had any form of way you did anything behind the scenes that you actually helped people get to their success, you are actually within the community of other people that can help you, even if, even if you say, per se, like, say, oh, your music's not that bad or it's good, people love you because they love you, and they'll support you, especially if they care and, they, and you help them out. And also, even for those people who don't even have a talent or have not been connected to any community, and also tell this, if you're known for something, let's say, even in your college town or in your physical home base, like building a home base either online or within the community of friends that support you doing, it only gets better, you know. And I tell a lot of people, if you're going to get big, if you want to be famous or whatever, a lot of them didn't start famous, become famous in their own town. They actually got big other towns, you know, or other places. If you know how to establish yourself and know how to market yourself and know where to place yourself where no one else have, but gave you, giving, you, giving you some leverage to meet more people, that's also another good way, you know, because there's always someone that knows someone who knows someone. Again, starting as a musician, it, if it wasn't for me playing for these artists and then, like, them seeing my social network and saying, oh, I didn't know you know this person, they add me, and then they, they find out I also did other stuff, it only makes you just as good as another person or even better if you know how to, like, speak with them and, and like, communicate with them and follow up and then, you then find out you did this whole network, then you're you're building your own brand and also expand it to more people. So it also makes it better. So that's you very, know that's how very, to network. That's it's there. If you know how to network, you're there. Yeah, it's true. And 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 I'm going to add to what both you said, Finestro, and also Jay. You know, one of the other things that there too is that you know Justin Bieber started as a YouTube sensation. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of people don't realize, you know. But we have the capability of video now. I mean, if you, you could have a metro, you know, we have something called Metro PCS here. So if you are at a place where you can't, you know, because when you're first starting out with your artistry, you you may not be able to afford certain things. You may have, you know, I've seen some artists who only have flip phones because they're taking their money and allocating it more to over, you know, their, their artistry, which is cool. Um, what I'll say about that is Justin Bieber started out with YouTube, okay, who would have thought he's where he is now, okay? Um, you know, you have other artists that start out by being in the right place at the right time. I remember back in the day there was a group called Solo. They had a short time span. But Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who are still, you know, respected uh, producers to this day, they actually signed that group on the street on a napkin. So some people have gone as far as, in those days, to play their music on the street where people can hear them. Now, I'm not saying that you go do that, but some people have done that. Some people have stood out in front of, you know, it, it, people get very, very creative. So you can do it online. You can, and, and here, going back to something that Jay and Finestro said, your light, it comes down to who you are. Because sometimes people may not like the music, and I can't say people don't like the music. Everyone someone is going to like you somewhere. And don't, exactly. ever think, don't ever think because if you're online and you put your music online and you put it on any of the social media sites, 
for music or even not for music, that if you only have two people listening, those two people could be the news anchor for NBC. And that other person could be someone else's. It's not only how large your network is. You can start out with two people who can take your network to thousands and maybe millions. Exactly. Because yeah. they, may, they may have a reach that you didn't even know who they were. You know, one of the biggest things you can do online is say thank you. Thank you for listening yep, to my exactly. music. Would you That's would you pass helpful. right? Would you pass my music on to someone? You know, if you liked what you heard, and even if you didn't like what you heard, would you at least let some of your friends hear it so I'll know what your feedback is? You know, um, and and here's the next thing I want to go to. You know, Finestro um, and and Jay talked about um, networking and talking about putting themselves out here. Here's another cut to that. You know, there's the ego that comes in this industry very much so. You know, and and this this is going to get a, a, go a little deep here, but it depends <laughs> on your family uh, your family background. You see, ego will get you in trouble when you're in this industry. You have to be humble because there's already a lot of egos with the record label execs sometimes that are helping you. Sometimes there's egos with the management that may take you on or whatever. So. It's not about ego. You have to be clear and standing on firm ground of your talent and knowing what your talent is so that even if someone says, you know what, this is not that great, you say, okay, thank you, and you go to the next place. But then there's the ego that artists have with each other or musicians have with one another. And then there's the desperation that comes with that in this industry. And so that's why I go back to, again, remembering that sometimes it's creative people You'll say yes to something one moment and no to something later. That's why they say that they have the business side. What I'm saying to you is as an artist coming in now, you need to know your stuff. You need to know what you want to take on. You need to have a a manager. You need to have um, a team of people that will help you. You may not be able to afford to pay anybody, but ask some friends and family members. Ask your mother. I mean, if she's home and retired or if she's working and she comes home in the evening, you know, ask your mom (laughs) and your dad to support you. Everybody is technologically, you know, inclined these days. So ask your mom and dad to help you. And especially if you're, you know, uh, at a young age in your 20s, early 20s, yeah, I would definitely have my mother or father look out for me because I know that they're going to look out for my money. I may not have them manage my music career, but I may have them look out for my money. And I'll still have an agreement with them even with my money. So, you know, these are the things you want to look at. Don't let your ego, oh, I've got a record label, I'm all that. I'm, I'm you know, um, I'm Justin Timberlake and I'm Beyonce. Don't, don't get it twisted because you're not. And don't think that when you walk in and you get the record deal, they might shelve you and put all your music to the side. Or what they might decide to do is you get the label deal and you think, oh, I've got the limo, I'm going to the events and everything, and then when your accounting comes in and you sell, let's say you do sell 500,000 units. Well, let's go modest. Let's say you sell 100,000 units, and you're like, well, you know, those 100,000 units, I sold um, all albums, 10 downloads of my album. Well, hmm, that should be about a million dollars or, you know, and you're, they're looking at you, well, you know, the limo that you took, it cost this much. And you know that tour that you did? It cost as much. And you know your hotel. We have to recoup. (coughs) Excuse me, audience members. We have to recoup all of that. And you know that producer that we hired for the track? Well, they've got to get their points as well. And not only their points, but publishing and also the royalty share on, you know, on the music. 
Oh, I meant to tell you that public relations person and publicity person. Oh my wow. God, they had to they had to write your biography. Um, yeah. We have to we have to get back to them. And you know, Jay and and, and Finestro, they're producers. We had to have both of them as a team. So instead of just two you know two points for the both of them, they had to get three points each. So to make sure it sounds good. You know, and then of course the label had to re- recoup their funding as well out to you for your clothing. Oh, you didn't know that your sneakers and your shoes were going to cost that? Oh, oh, the car and the apartment? Oh, yes, you didn't know that that was going to cost you as well? Oh, and your lawyer. Right, right. We have to pay your lawyer fees too. So I just want you guys to realize that this is what you come to the table with. It's like an athlete who plays. He has his agent, his lawyer, and everything. He makes uh, $10 million a year, comes home after taxes with maybe five, and then they're getting the gross. So I know you guys have a lot to say behind that. So, uh, Finesse, let's start with you first, my dear. Yeah. Artists need to know the business of music. Like, um, I could tell you how many times that, you know, again, I came from a background of learning law in high school, so I know how to, like, I know some of the aspects of law. So when I had to study certain things, I had to research to cover myself. If I'm playing a show, I know how much I'm getting paid or a session, what I'm involved with. Even even now, just rec- like for the past year, knowing where I need to be and know when I'm expected so I'm not getting screwed at the end, you know? Uh, and a lot of artists... Hey, they, now, Sinestro, can you be a, that was a little vague. Can you um, be a little more specific for our audience about that? Like, for example, when you're going to do uh, a piece of work or you're going to a studio session or you're going to a live show or event, you need to count all the costs. You have to know what's expected of you and what are the things and factors that you have to put into place that are going to be needed to be taken care of, like whether it is you're going to go live, okay, how much the band costs, or what things that you need to do, what are the things that you need to send to the venue so they know that you're going to be performing. You know, you have to know all aspects to it before you get there because one thing art, a lot of artists don't know these days is the business aspect of, Okay, even if you're an independent artist, you do need to be aware of it. You don't have to actually know everything, but just be aware of it so you're not going to be taken advantage of, you know. Because a lot of artists are being taken advantage of, and they're not even aware of it. Sometimes they just let people do what they want to do, and it works out well. But at the end of the day, you're like, wait, time out. This doesn't add up. You know, you have to be aware of everything that's involved in your creation, in the creation process, you know. Just being aware of it. And, and, and just educating yourself. There's Google, there's Bing. There's you can even contact on Twitter. I've I've realized on Twitter you could contact lawyers and label heads who you could ask them questions, hey, about this, how about that. I learned how to do split sheets and all that stuff and publishing, asking other friends how they did it and replicating yourself. It's all the information is there for you, you know. I I realize ignorance is a, a matter of choice now. Uh, because everything is available for us, you you can definitely know it and 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 apply it to your to your skill set and to your artistry without having to feel like you're being taken advantage of. You know, so definitely artists go out there, know your business, know your stuff, get acquainted with it, and and just uh, harness it and just apply it to your work. That's all. You know. And Jay, what what is your thoughts? Well, I just wanted to say. That it's very important. With, um, adding on to what you were saying earlier, Gail, about 
um, make, knowing that everything is coming out of your pocket in the end. It's another thing you have to be aware of. It's called cross-collateralization. That is really a thing where the first record that you do for a record company is added on to the next record. So let's say your first record doesn't sell. Well, we're going to bill you for that, and we're going to add those bills to your second record. So now you still don't get paid again because your first record didn't sell, and we're going to make sure that that's connected to the next record. So if your second record sells, guess what? We're going to take the money from the second record and pay off the first record. So you still don't make any money. So be aware of that clause um, because that's a clause that's sometime in your record contract. So I want to share that with you guys out there just in case you guys didn't know. It's very hard to make money from your records in this business if your records aren't selling. Um, so, But at the same time, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And as Dale said earlier, that um, don't be desperate. Don't be desperate. If something's not right, don't accept it. If you feel in your heart that if this deal is just not right, don't be desperate. Because the bottom line is you don't know what song you write or if you're going to be an artist, if you're going to be successful. You don't know. The people decide that. The fans yeah. decide that. It's not up to you. You just keep on writing your great songs. And, and like Gail said earlier, somebody's going to like it, and there's going to be people who don't like it. You know, everybody has different opinions and different tastes. Everybody likes different types of pizza. I want pepperoni. I want sausage. And some people even want, uh, uh, you know, anchovies. You know, so everybody likes different things. Don't be afraid. Don't be desperate. And take a chance. It's kind of like a. It's kind of like if you with rock jump on. Should I jump over here or should I jump on that rock? Because I'm trying to get across to the other side on that other mountain over there. So one of these rocks or one of these pathways is going to be the right way to go, or which fork to take. Should I take this fork in the road, or should I go left? Don't be afraid to make a decision, because time is moving. So that's why I wanted to say, decisions are important, but don't stand still. Because if you stand still, nothing happens. Nothing comes to sleepers but dreams. And if you want your dream to become a reality, you've got to move. Exactly. You have to educate yourself. You have to keep moving and being aware, you know, and ask questions. Questions. Well, one of the things I, I'm, I'm going to also come in here and say, you know, it's not only the importance of that. You know, another thing as an artist, you know, it's just we're going to get into some other areas too, which I see that, uh, Finesse, you're going to have to come back. Cause, uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> we have to do a part three. <laughs> we have to do a part three, maybe even a part four, the way this is going, Jay. Um, <laughs> I guess and I think I like publishing good, and everything, right? Yeah, you know, I think that, but I want to say something else that I think is so, so important that, you know, that I heard you guys say, but it, it compiles on, it, it expands on that. And that one of the things that's very important, you know, as an artist, you come, you know, I see a lot of artists come here to this city and they're like, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And, you know, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. But here's something else don't forget. What you also need to look at is, how much money do I, if you're going to travel and come from L.A. to New York or from uh, Idaho to New York, well, you're coming from a small town and you're getting ready to go to a large town. And L.A., forget it. You definitely need money. Um, in New York, you can find different, different jobs and things that will allow you to sustain yourself, okay? In other parts of the country, they do require um, college degrees and different things. And 
you don't know how much money you're going to need. I would research, well, how much is the rent market in this area? I would seek out people, even if it's friends of friends, if I don't know anyone in that state, and find out how much money do I need to live on to successfully take care of myself so that I don't have the added worry of how I'm going to pay my rent. How am I going to have transportation to get where I need to go? How am I going to do X, Y, and Z? Because as a creative person, when you worry, yeah, you can put that into song, but while you're worrying, you're not eating and you're not taking care of your rent and, you know, um, a place to stay. And, you know, and, and with all of that, especially in these days and times, the average rent is anywhere from 1500 and above. So you might want to look at, do I need a roommate situation? Does that, will that roommate allow me to do my music? Let me find a situation where maybe it's a stewardess or a pilot, a pilot who's never home or a nurse who's, you know, does 12-hour days and I could be at home doing my music and I can work X amount of time. Know how much money you need to live on, okay? Know how much money you're going to need, what the going rates are for your for your the producers and everything, even a low-rate producer. Know how much money for your studio time. You know, contact people ahead of time that maybe they can put you on for studio time. The other thing you want to also know is, you know, that's a personal budget. Have at least enough income to know what you're going to need for 12 months and enough save for at least six months, you know. How much of your income is going to be derived from gigs? Put that into an account, okay? It should, and it should reflect the standard of living in which you're accustomed to. And then as your income increases, you don't live over that income. You live within reason of that income. Look at, as you, you know, what can I invest in, all right? So this is just, you know, have a financial plan together. It doesn't have to be all out there. Also find out the associations to belong to, union memberships, NARIS, you know, the Grammy Association, all of them, because through that you can also get health insurance, and they may have other things that will are available to you. Also know that before you even put your feet on the ground to start your website, how much is it going to cost you um, a year to host your website? Okay, um, do you have to hire someone because you're not web savvy? You may be social media savvy. You may know how to put your music up, but you may not be website savvy. And maybe you don't want to put all your time there. Make sure that you have at least budgeted anywhere from three hundred to a thousand. That's just the normal rate, even for basic. You know, so these are things. You know, look at your wardrobe. At least have you know maybe three standard outfits to start with. One outfit to go and meet with the record labels and, you know, business attire, and the other two is the attire that you mix up for when you go out there. And most importantly, make sure that whatever you wear reflects who you are. Because if you don't, if your fans, if you start off trying to be something else to your fans, when the real you comes out, they won't want anything to do with you because they didn't know who you were from the beginning. So those are some of the things that I would say just to remember and knowing that, and, you know, do your music at first, and then you'll know what your market, your market is. And, if you, you know, and, and also look for, you know, something that Finestro and Jay said earlier, look for collaborations, collaborations, collaborations. That's a big thing. And also be careful who you collaborate with, too, because you don't know how, you know, who they're involved with. That's, I forgot to let, not to cut you off, but I forgot to mention well, let's, let's collaborate, but also be aware of it. Yeah. Let me just finish my point there, Finestra, mm-hmm. is that the, the most important thing about, you know, the collaboration, look for what your genre of music is. Know who you are stepping in to anything. 
be confident 100%. You know, one one thing you can take on is go and talk to everyone and let and 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 be inten- you know, when you set an intention as we say these days, it shows up. So set an intention that everyone will say no to you in a given week. Then you will be then when you hear no, it won't bother you. You won't take it personally. You'll go on to the next thing. So, you know, with that, I want to segue into get into some specifics with you and Jay, um, Finestro. But, Jay, I'm going, to, uh, Finestro, I'm going to start off with Jay this time, if that's okay with you. Jay, what do you think about what I just said? Oh, it's important. It's important to network yourself around the industry and because, you know, you don't know who is going to be that guiding light. And so if you get into a little click, that click might just blow up. Like you could take when uh, Hootie and the Blowfish, that little southern North Carolina click kind of blew up. And then groups around there in that community, that music community blew up. Uh, when Prince, the Minneapolis scene started, that whole little click and all the industry in that little area blew up. And when, when, you know, so it's important. When Northern Virginia blew up, um, Missy Elliott and uh, – and Teddy Riley and those guys, or Taylor Swift and all that stuff there, and the Tennessee little things blew up. It's important that you are in a clique and that you're in scenes because if scenes will help you be sought after and people will get the word out. So that collaboration is very important. Don't just put your don't put yourself in a little shell in your little basement by yourself and you expect <laughs> to be a star. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, Jay. That's yeah. where we're gonna, we, we, we differ. I don't. I I think it's okay to be in either one. I think you could put yourself in the show. You know, I consider a show artist like an India Ari, and whenever she comes out, put it, people are ready to go where she are. Or Joss Stone. You know, they're individual. They have their own individualist taste. And I and I think that you should be with a group of people who are going to blow up. But people, but really, do it on your own merit. Because today with social media. People can be so real. So I know we're going to agree to disagree there, sir. That's okay. That's a, that's a, jo- that's a joy about this whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It can go both ways. But more more times than none, if people if you're, if you're aware, if people are aware of you, you're going to get more notoriety, you know, and it'll be quicker. You know, that's basically what I'm saying. You can, I'm not saying, like, <laughs> I'm not saying, like, there's, you know, involve everybody in your life. I'm just, you know, because you got sometimes you do need that quiet time. Gail, and I do agree with you, too. Sometimes you do need to sit down and, and, and woodshed and just be with you, you know. So I agree with that, too. But I, I just mean, you know, somewhat you need to get out there. And what, what do you think, Fidestro? I agree. Again, as I told you, um, SoundCloud has been such a great platform where I was able to collaborate and know who's my people who are in my network or who I want to collaborate with. And it's crazy that you mentioned about that, about the Minneapolis sound, Minneapolis sound, Prince and everybody. You have to know who's in your neighborhood so you can see where the common goal is. If you find someone who's like yourself, like, for example, when, when I was working with uh, Jessica, she's from Germany, like, I met her through a network where the other people that are doing common things than I was doing. So even though the project is going to be coming out soon, I realized within – the reach of a click of a button, online, search, electronic dance music. Oh, artists here, this, this person there, you know what? I can actually connect with that person and finding out, you know what, this person needs this, I need this, you help each other out, and then all of a sudden, a project happens, you know? That's so, and you that's know what? That's so. Once you know how to communicate with people on the things that you need to get done and everyone 
knows how to um, give in to what everyone can get to help each other out. There's no pride there. There is no, like, self-seeking thing. It will happen. It will be successful. It's not only going to help you, but it's going to help all the other people around you, you know? People to realize that. Once you know how to help other person, it's not you're not you're not letting them step on your toes, but what you're doing is you're loving you're leveling the playing field and it's powerful. Two is better than one. Well the other thing and that you, you have that. you have to make sure of though, many people start out and act like they're helping others, okay? When they're only helping others so that, that person will in turn help them. I'm gonna say that again. In this music industry, many people come across from Astro and Jay as though they're helping others. And they really intend to, but they are really doing that at the effect to get help themselves later on down the road because they know that they have the greatest personality and they can attract people. So that person is going to be like, you know, Jane is so cool. She did this for us. You know, we got to help her. There's some people who have that great personality, but you see, at the end of the day, you may have a 1,000 people doing for you. You may seem like the greatest person since Built milk might take a year. You might blow up, but at some point, you know that old saying: when you go up, you must come down. Make sure you're always <laughs> real. Make sure you're always real, seriously, because I've seen people fall who've been out there for ten years and when they fell, they fell hard. So when you're going up that route, and if you really are doing for people, then do for people. But if you're really doing for others, so that you can barter, say, hey, you do this for me, and I'll do that for you. That's being a front. And, you see, we forget that in this industry, and it comes to bite us in the rear end at the end. You know, I want to go back to something, Finestro, that you said and something that Jay said. You know, um, I had asked you guys about what did you think about an artist having a financial plan for themselves. This spears right into something else. You talked about looking at that genre. Now, this might sound a little more business-oriented, and it is a little bit, but it's right back off what uh, both um, these two gentlemen have said have said, and that is you need to know the state of the industry when you when you pop in. When you come to say hello to the music industry, I don't care where in the world you are, you need to know the state of it. You need to know the genre of music you're choosing to be in, and genre means pop, urban, world, jazz, you know, R&B, you know. You need to know the state of that genre. You need to know who your competing artist is, too, whether it's in your locale, locally, or the person who's at the top of the charts. You need to know who's in that genre. You need to know if that genre of music is making money, what the opportunities for your, the artists are in that genre, who you're competing with in that genre, genre, and how is the radio format, format for the genre in that audience online and offline, satellite-wise, across the board, not just social media-wise, okay? You also need to know what international opportunities are available for that genre if it's not where you are. You know, what collaborations are available, Your, the country's language, okay? You, these are things you all need to know. You know, if you don't know this coming in, especially in this day and age, you're going to be behind the eight ball, all right? Because when you go sit down with that record, that record execu- executive, whether he's in Warner Brothers or Sobro Light T Records, okay, I'm making that up, but really, whether he's the, and that's the other thing. Be careful of the record label you go to because if it's so bro light tea, well, it sounds just the way it is. You need to find out about that record label's history, how good they are to their artists, 
who they are to develop you because A&R, which is artists and repertoire, who used to develop those artists, get them ready for image and everything, no longer exists in a lot of labels. They feel that the person can do it themselves. So the smaller labels are offering that. And you want to go and find someone, as Jay mentioned earlier, as Sinestro mentioned earlier, who can actually come in, hone in, and literally mentor you and be willing to listen. And you need to have a manager who's willing to listen as well. And when you first start as an artist, start with about six months to see how you and that art, that manager work together because you never know. You don't want to waste your time, your life, your energy. You know, if they help you in that six months, and that's great. Get Have a six-month agreement with them and have it loosely there so that you can get from out of it, not just going in to get out of something because you, your management relationship is going to be your greatest teacher. Is going to teach when you're going. The harder your relationship with your manager, this sounds crazy, the better, because that is going to be your teacher in yeah. every relationship you you have. Hey, Gal. Yeah. Uh, hello. Um, yeah. Someone emailed me saying that the 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 radio stopped. Um, the link stopped. Okay, we don't need to mention that on air, um, Jay. Oh, or, I mean, okay. Everyone's there. So, okay. Okay. Yes, yeah, we're still okay. here. Let's go down. Um, okay. So it's. Um, it's important that we we continue with that. It's important that there's an understanding of that. It's important that um, management is, you allow your manager to be your greatest teacher, but that you keep your own mind. You state to them what you want to do, and they'll follow it out, but also to know that your manager is there to guide you. And then there's personal and business management. I would suggest you have two and one at the same time a person who knows their stuff and can get done what needs to get done, and preferably, believe it or not, someone who's not in the industry, who's knowledge of the industry, but who's not in the industry. So that's where I'm going to leave. We're going to have to ask Canestro and Jay to come back with this subject matter. Is there any okay. closing thoughts, uh, Jay and Canestro? Uh, no, um, I basically think that when we have a wonderful next show, we'll keep our listeners in suspension, and they'll be able to catch part two. Awesome. And for next time around, we'll talk more about uh, the publishing side of this and how to get in that game of business in the music. And we're looking forward to that. Yep. And so we'll have we'll do um, a publishing in. And Finestro, we'll ask you to come back either next week or the week after. If you'll join us, would you like to join us? Sure. We could definitely arrange that. And uh, looking forward to that. Okay, guys. So. Thank you for joining Listen, Give Radio. As you know, you listen and we give the information. So have a wonderful day, guys, and a blast of a week. Thank you, Finestro. Bye, guys. Thank you, Gil. All right, thank you. Bye-bye.